Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Is your resume or job posting just not being seen? You need a better plan. Whether you're looking for a permanent or temporary position or looking to hire at Cloud Dentistry, we have you covered. We connect practices with verified professionals interested in temp and permanent work. Sign up for your free account in just two easy steps. Go to www.clouddentistry.com and start browsing the dental talent in your area today. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffbauer coming to you from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Today, I am really, really lucky on this Good Friday to be joined by Don Safferstein, and he works in the Bronx. Uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about his almost four decades of service to dentistry um, and in dentistry. And um, we're going to talk about a variety of, of topics, things that he um, has found a special interest in over the years of his practice, as well as um, maybe some some gems from the uh, the other side of 30 whenever it comes to practice and um, things that you know maybe you haven't thought of yet. So without further ado, Don, how are you doing today? Great, Chris. Glad to be part of this program. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So um, we we met through a mutual um, a mutual friend, and that would be uh, Darius, who uh, is one of the owners over at Cloud Dentistry. So, guys, if you if you haven't checked out Cloud Dentistry, do so. It's free, and um, it's free to get started at least. And you can find employees when you desperately need them, which in these times. I just saw four posts this morning about people who are looking for an employee desperately and asking for people's help. So go ahead and check them out. It doesn't cost you anything to see if they're going to work for you. Uh, but they were kind enough to make this introduction. And um, yeah, Don's going to talk to us about a few things in his career that may be hard hitting for some of you. Um, and one of those is, is addiction. So we're going to really dive deep into that. Uh, so Don, talk to me about what brought you to dentistry? Are you a, a heritage kid? Were your parents dentists? Uh, did you have some sort of experience that called you to the profession? Or or was it kind of like, hey, I'm in, I'm in college, I got a biology, de biology degree, what am I going to do now? So where did your journey start? Well, when, when it looked like I wasn't going to play shortstop for the Yankees, I needed uh, something else. <laughs> and um, I kind of loved my dentist growing up. Uh, I just love the office. I love the vibe. When I was going to college, I went to University of Rochester. I was fortunate enough to uh, um, become aware that they had a dental program there. And I volunteered at, at the dental program while I was in college. I assisted surgeons and dentists. And um, while I was working my way through college, I, I spent my afternoons, two, three afternoons a week at the dental clinic at Eastman College of Dentistry. And I, I loved it. it um, you know, that's what convinced me that I wanted to apply to dental school. So I kind of had a vague feeling that dentistry might be right, but I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to uh, spend a lot of time with dentists while I was in college. And that cemented it that I, uh, I liked the profession. I liked what they were doing. I liked the uh, working with patients, working with people. And uh, so, you know, that, that, that's what steered me towards dental school. Fantastic. Um, so... A ways down in your career, um, you um, you discovered organized dentistry, or, or you discovered that you know if 
if something was going to get done, you probably had to be one of the guys to do it. So talk to me about that journey. How did you discover organized dentistry? And, and what does that path look like from there? Well, I've all my life, I've kind of been a backbencher. I've been a guy who sat in the back of the lecture hall. And I joined the ADA uh, mostly because I wanted to get um, uh, a break on my uh, disability insurance, a break on malpractice insurance. Uh, back then, they were offering a lot of discounts. So um, it paid for itself. Um, it, it, um, I, I, I wasn't very active probably for my first 30 years in dentistry. Um, when I was um, uh, an older dentist, a friend of mine became president of the Bronx County and said, hey, Don, I want you to join a committee. I got to get some new blood on committees. So I said, hey, which one um, requires the least amount of time? He said, chemical dependency. Uh, they meet twice a year. So I made uh, my first, my first um, uh, meeting for the Bronx County for the New York State Chemical Dependency Committee was at a rehab um, facility in, um, in uh, Syracuse, New York. And I met the most amazing group of people there. There were dentists who, many of them were previous addicts um, who uh, dedicated their uh, free time in their lives to helping other dentists who struggled with addiction. And I came quickly to realize that uh, people with uh, prescriptive ability have the ability to abuse uh, medications. Many of them became addicts. This is before the uh, current uh, uh, fentanyl epidemic. Uh, this is before we saw the numbers rising that are leading to uh, 140,000 deaths a year. Um, we were dealing with old school alcoholics and dentists who were writing prescriptions for uh, painkillers and, um, and pocketing uh, a fair amount themselves. Um, I had a classmate who uh, struggled with addiction and I, I saw how the advocacy of this group enabled us to help dentists with addiction, help them get healthy, and return to practice, uh, return to productive lives, to the things that they loved in, about dentistry. And um, so I became very involved with um, just um, uh, helping dentists who are addicted um, and uh, met a great group of people who, um, who are aware that addiction is a serious problem in dentistry um, on, a, uh, on a nationwide basis, probably uh, five to 10% of people tend to be addicts. Dentists have a higher percentage. Uh, private practice, working alone uh, kind of breeds um, uh, the ability to, uh, to abuse drugs. And um, uh, I just became, um, um, you know, that was kind of my, my, introduction to becoming more involved in organized dentistry. It wasn't because I love the ADA. It wasn't because, um, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed the group meetings. So this was kind of a back road into it. But I, I, once I became involved with that, I've been on that committee for 15 years. I've gone to conferences across the country, I've been involved in interventions for young dentists and their families. And um, it, it was uh, just an eye-opening thing. And I appreciate organized dentistry's uh, commitment to uh, working with, uh, with uh, people who are suffering from addiction. You know, Don, you, you make some interesting points there. Um, I, I'll tell you, I personally know several young dentists, even while we were in school, that were, um, that were 
users, if not addicts. Um, but what really surprised me was one of the people I had the most respect for. We weren't close friends, but he was just a stellar guy, amazing person, kind, um, sympathetic to others, helpful, great clinician, fantastic grades in school, could have done anything that he wanted to. Well, he, he married another friend of mine and um, they ended up practicing together. He lost everything because of addiction. And it just, it, I never could wrap my mind around someone who had so much going for them how they could become addicted. But I, I think, I think in a large way, the, the drive that drives us as dentists are in the drive that you need, the kind of type A personality and, and no excuses given kind of personality that you need to be successful getting into school, if not maintaining yourself in school and, and in becoming a small business owner in, in, in a field like this, I, I think that maybe there's some, there's some overlap there between that and the addictive personality. Can you speak to that? The, the personality traits that people may have that, you know, lead them toward the path of addiction <clears throat> and, and perhaps, perhaps some anonymous stories of dentists that you've worked with who've overcome addiction and, and come out on the other side better for it. Well, I think you're right about uh, the personality trait that makes dentists good is that we are really, um, hard workers. The number one of the top three dentists in my dental school class was an addict, um, and uh, I would have to say that you know we all enjoyed our uh, Friday happy hours. But I saw a lot of people while I was in dental school getting getting too involved, getting involved with uh, you know more than just pot and alcohol, but uh, moving over to cocaine. Um, the unfortunate thing is those kind of habits now will kill you because back then you didn't have fentanyl cut into these drugs. So it's more important than ever to try to be, uh, you know, to get things under control when you're young because um, drugs that um, you used to be able to use casually now are killers. Um, when, I, when I went to that first meeting in Syracuse, the guy who was the head of our committee in, um, in, in the New York State uh, picked me up at the airport and it was a little bit shocking. He was a professor of mine in dental school. He was a great guy. He was. Uh, one of the blue coats in clinic um, that I thought was a great guy. He was an athlete. He was fun, uh, great personality. And he told me, you know, his story about how basically things spiraled out of control and uh, no, nobody seeks help on, on a good day. You only seek help when you drive your car through your garage into your living room. Um, and um, addicts are great liars. They're, um, Denial is strong. Nobody, nobody seeks help. Um, um, they all say, I got it under control. I got it under control. You know, usually it's their staff that pushes them. And one of the things in dentistry is that um, a lot of people see you having a problem, but they're dependent on you. Your staff's dependent on you. They don't want to call for help because it means they'll shut the clinic down. They'll lose their job. They'll shut the office down. Your wife, your family, they, they don't want the embarrassment. Oh, my husband's an addict. My husband had to leave his job. Uh, or my wife had to leave her job and, and seek help, had to go away for two months to a facility to get clean. So there's a lot of protection from the people around you, even your, your staff, your loved ones. Well, um, so let's call it what it is. It's codependence. Yes. Yeah. And, and addiction doesn't just affect <laughs> you. It affects your family affects everybody. Um, many of the people I've met 
were, were addicts, were, um, had family histories, a parent who was an addict. Um, you know, one, 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 one story that was pretty enlightening, I picked up in an early meeting was an oral surgeon was, was talking about how, how he fed his Vicodin habit. He basically would drive across the state, stopping in college towns, He'd go to pharmacies and he'd say, uh, I'm taking my son here to, to interview at Union College, at Rensselaer, at Syracuse. And he just had his wisdom teeth taken out. He would drive with his prescription pad and in every town, he'd pick up 24 cups of Vicodin and he would just make these trips whenever he ran out, basically putting together a storehouse of hundreds of Vicodin. And uh, then when he ran out, he'd take his prescription pad, make the trip again. This is back before you prescribing, back before, um, uh, we were, uh, um, you know, requiring, uh, you know, more stringent means to write for narcotics. But that was just the way one guy fed his habit. Um, just he'd hit different pharmacies, you know, a few months later. So that's the kind of extreme that uh, addiction, you know, took a guy who was one of the top surgeons in his town, a pillar of his community, was, was, was you know, picking a day where he'd drive the, from one end of the state to the other, trying to score Vicodin. So, um, you know, and I've seen people like that uh, go into uh, recovery and become healthy. It doesn't work for everybody. Recovery has a um, disturbingly low uh, success rate, but you got to keep trying because uh, the, it's pretty certain that you're going to end up dead um, is the only, you know, byproduct at the end of this. There, there are, for people that don't get help, that don't stop abusing, there usually aren't good stories. Um, you end up dead. And, uh, and so whether it be, you know, from doing something stupid or from, uh, you know, developing an illness, disease, but um, basically um, I became um, involved with trying to uh, uh, help people. And um, I think switching back to the ADA, which funds this program, it's a valuable thing they do. They understand it, they appreciate it. They wanna help that this become healthy and stay healthy and enjoy their practice. You know, <clears throat> sitting here talking about this, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to kind of try to put myself in someone's shoes who might be going through this. And the thing I keep coming to is they've got to be worried. I mean, we, we all, we all worry about the board, right? They've got to be worried on some level that if something comes out and they do go and get help, that the the board is going to come down on them. They're going to lose their license. They're going to lose their livelihood. It's kind of a self-perpetuating, kind of a positive feedback kind of a loop because then that anxiety, that stress, and that that worry will feed into the things that cause addiction, or at least that that seems to be the case for the people around me who I who I at least know are addicted. So talk to me a little bit about that and what the actual process would look like. Let's say there's a dentist out there who's listening to this podcast and they have a pill problem or they've got a, a drinking problem, which is, I, I think, kind of the socially acceptable uh, version of addiction these days. That and I, I guess marijuana. I, I don't know. But let's say they, they have that issue. They're afraid to get, to, to get help because they're afraid that the board is going to take their license or sanction them or whatever. Talk to us. Talk to us about what the process actually looks like. And is is that is that a true thing? Is the board going to come down on you, or is the board really in a position where they're going to say, "Hey, we want to get you help. We want you to be healthy out there and not not injuring patients." Well, the um, 
A lot depends on the state. Um, and every state has different laws. I mean, if, if you do harm a patient, if you, if you do, um, um, you know, are arrested, um, you know, then um, you lose your license. <clears throat> if you voluntarily um, seek help in New York State, um, you can uh, surrender your license while you receive treatment and then um, get your license back. Um, you, you can, um, um, I believe it's called the uh, uh, Practitioner Protection Program. I'm, I'm just uh, drawing a bit of a blank on this, but, but if you seek help before you um, run afoul of the law, um, if you voluntarily seek treatment, um, you will not lose the ability to practice dentistry. So you can um, uh, basically seek treatment and, and then um, the program monitors your health. We, 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 we assign sponsors that check in on you, that talk to you, and um, sometimes it involves um, testing. But basically, if you surrender your, your, your license for a period of time and seek treatment, you can restore fully to the practice of dentistry. So, um, you know, in, in our in our in New York State, we have a non-punitive uh, hotline where you can call the hotline, which goes to Albany to uh, um, the people that run the program, and uh, you can start seeking help while you're practicing. Um, you know, bottom line always has to be to protect the public. Um, we're not trying to shield people from uh, their problem while they're practicing. Uh, we want to get people into uh, therapy and into programs and make it so that they can voluntarily do that and, and return to dental practice. But they do have to, um, they do have to enter these program, a, a program, they do have to enter treatment and they do have to be clean to uh, return um, to practice in dentistry. Um, and we, we even have a, a fund here to help people um, uh, pay for um, uh, named after one of the founders of our group, the Tom Sullivan Fund, that helps people, um, and this includes dental students, by the way, are, are eligible for this program, to go into, um, into treatment programs. Because usually when you're at the point where you need to go into a, uh, a treatment program, you're usually not flush with funds. You, you, you usually um, run things, you, you know, you're at, the, you're at the bottom of the barrel. So uh, we, we have a, uh, a program here to help people even finance um, going into these programs. But um, uh, the idea is to get, get into treatment before you run afoul of uh, um, the, uh, the licensing boards and the law. Yeah, I talked earlier about this friend of mine. Yeah. What ended up happening with him is he, he hit rock bottom. We were out at a get together and it was actually a continuing education event. And, um, I found him by himself, just sobbing uncontrollably. I, you know, I was just in shock. I thought, you know, maybe someone had died or something. And, um, I sit down and I say, you know, obviously I'm not gonna say his name. Um, say, Hey, what's, what's going on? Are you okay? And his response to me was, I hate myself. Um, I hate what I do. I just want to die. And um, it really hit me hard. I mean, I think we've all, we've all gone through those emotional roller coasters where just the right combination of events puts us in a place of vulnerability, particularly, you know, we're in a profession where you have to be not just someone who's exceedingly um, 
exceedingly type A whenever it comes to uh, attaining any kind of, um, I don't know, achievement. We also have to be intelligent. We also have to actually care. And then you're in a profession where you've got people who tell you they hate you on a daily basis. You're dealing with employment issues. I think we've all been at a really low spot, but this guy was at a lower spot than I've ever seen anyone in in my life. And I, I, I talked to him and I said, Hey, you know, what's going on. He filled me on on what had been happening. And he asked me for help. He just came out and he said, I can't do it myself. Help me. And uh, so I put him into, um, and, and, and his, his fear was that he was going to lose his license and his practice. So I put him in the touch with the right people. The next day when he sobered up, he calls me up and asked me to please not talk to anyone. And um, so I went back to the people who I was friends with, who were high up in, in the dental society and, and on the board and things. And I said, look, he's asked me to withdraw this, this plea for help. And um, so they did that. Uh, they, they said, okay, you know, nothing officials has happened. You know, at this point it's hearsay. He ended up losing everything. He lost his wife. He lost his practice. He lost everything. And it, 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 it seems to me that there was just a moment of inflection in his life where it could have gone either way. So guys, if you're out there and you've gotten to the point where you realize you need help, take the help that's given. Hey folks, before we get into today's program, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors, DocSites. DocSites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service starting at only $59 per month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help you increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off of your website setup, text PODCAST to 818-489-9823. Again, that's 818-489-9823. Now this is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings, or you can visit DocSites.com forward slash TBOD for more information. That, that would be my message. Don, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, dentistry is not unique. We're, we're sort of at a, a societal uh, turning point here where uh, uh, just, you just uh, read the papers every day, you know that addiction is, is rising. Uh, young people are, are struggling. Uh, rates of depression are extremely high. You know, and, and I, I don't think that addiction uh, exists on its own. I think it's, um, and, and one of the problems we've had as a nation dealing with it is that there's always a mental health component um, with addiction. A lot of addicts are also suffering from depression, um, other factors. And, and so um, the, um, it's, um, you know, you talk about the stresses of dentistry, um, you know, it's one of the most stressful professions is, you know, if you do endo, you know, the, you got to be perfect to the last millimeter, you know, and, and, and that's the way it is in, uh, in dentistry. There's a lot of pressures. There's a lot of people depending on you. Um, you, um, a lot of it has to, um, I think as professionals, we have to uh, learn to deal with the stress. We need to um, know how to uh, structure our day and structure our lives. So we give ourselves downtime so that we have more time for family, more time for friends. It's, it's a whole big picture. You, you, you've got to, I mean, I, I mean, I would 
um, just encourage anybody that's in dentistry just to take lots of three-day weekends, uh, take, uh, uh, enjoy life, enjoy your family. Um, don't become so uh, ingrained in, in the stresses of the practice and then, um, and then self-medicate. Um, it's, uh, these are, you know, these stresses aren't unique to dentistry. They're, 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 these are stresses of life and uh, we all have to learn to deal with them and, uh, and, and uh, realize that addiction is not, um, when, when I was in dental school and uh, you know, we, to us, the, the addicts that, when I, when I worked in, a, in an ER at night in my residency, the addicts were the scumballs of society. Uh, you know, we would come in, they'd come in for drugs, put them back out there. And then the realization I had is that, um, you know, uh, no, a lot of uh, addictions are disease. Uh, it's, a, it's a disease. It's a disease that functions at the level of the thalamus. Uh, there's a physiology of it. And, um, and uh, basically, uh, we need to treat addiction with compassion, try to help people from the addiction standpoint, from the mental health standpoint, try to find people, help people find help. There's a lot of things out there now besides uh, the uh, traditional 12-step program. New trend now is medicated-assisted treatment where um, there are medications that help you with the cravings and you uh, can uh, continue to live a productive life. Um, so, um, yeah, I would say in New York State, we've got a hotline. Um, other states, I, I, think, I think this is pretty universal in the United States now in, in dentistry is that, um, that we have programs to help dentists that, 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 are, that are dealing, they're non-punitive. And, um, and um, I encourage anybody that's struggling to seek help early before it gets too late. Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna finish with two questions and we're gonna talk a little bit about today's sponsor. Um, my first question is um, what is your proudest moment in your years of service to the ADA on this board, um, what did you get accomplished or, 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 or what's an example of someone you helped where years later you, you took a, a moment and thought, wow, I had a hand in that. Well, not, you talk about the chemical dependency or just general. Oh, both in, in general, in general. Oh, no, no. I mean, I mean, one of the things that, 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 that I'm proud, proud of is that as i told you i became i came late to the ada came late to uh the service um i we we have a um i'll talk about the chemical dependency because we we have a we have a an educator that we invite to uh come speak to our local group you know every couple of years i have this gentleman come his name's dennis bolin he's a wonderful educator when he's he's a great public speaker and um, when we invited him to a Bronx County dental meeting um, and um, after the meeting, everybody got up and left and uh, one guy stayed behind, spoke to uh, Dr. Bowen. And then um, about six months later, when I met Dennis at, a, at, a, at another meeting, he said, uh, you know, he met this guy and he says, I've spoken to him almost every day for the last six months. And uh, Years later, same thing. He's been giving him support and helping him for years now. And I kind of look at that and say, well, that's one person. If one person came to the meeting and actually um, 
took the bite and saw it help and was looking for somebody to speak to. He found it at one of our local meetings that you know I put together and invited him there to. Is that a safe life, a safe practice, a safe family? Maybe. But if we had not um, set up the program, had not invited uh, uh, a lecturer to come and speak about dependency, this guy obviously was looking for help. He's, he stayed late. He waited till everybody left the room and then went up to him and started the conversation. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate that. You got to put stuff out there. You got to have stuff on the shelf where people aren't going to have the opportunity to see it. So that's what I see in, 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 in what I'm doing for the ADA is putting the stuff out there because I know there's people that want to look at it. They want to talk about it, but uh, they're embarrassed to. So you got to keep putting it out there. So our profession is known not only for having a high rate of dependency, but also a high rate of suicide. And to me, the two are inextricably connected. Um, can you speak to the, um, the percentage between those two things or, or roughly on, on, on that subject? Uh, you know, I don't have numbers. Um, I, you know, as far as suicide goes, I just anecdotally, again, we all have uh, tales of, of, of people, whether it be accidental overdoses or, um, so I, I really, I, I really don't have numbers on dentistry and, 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 and I, I know that these are societal numbers also that uh, I, I know the rate of suicide is up um, and I know that, that the rate of dependency is way up, um, you know, it all, it all comes back to the current crisis we're in, and that is that um, there, because dentists are high-functioning, a lot of dentists, I think, have been high-functioning alcoholics, high-functioning um, addicts. The, um, one of the things that I know from New York State, from a drug group that I'm involved in, is that the biggest increase in death right now in New York State is cocaine use because there were a lot of high functioning Coke users. There were a lot of people out there who were burning the candle at both ends and thought that, yeah, they can you know, get cocaine and do a little cocaine on the weekend. Only problem now is this fentanyl in that cocaine and they're dying. So um, um, I think that a lot of dentists are, uh, just as we stayed up all night and worked our way through college and dentistry and, and had the ability to do all nighters and. Uh, study for the boards and, um, you know, just uh, work really hard and partied hard. The same lifestyle now is killing you because of the change of the drug market. And everybody's got to be aware of that, that um, um, there's, you know, and it's not just fentanyl, there's other, there's other um, agents that are being mixed into the drug supply now and, uh, and, and, and just uh, casual drug use will kill you these days. And so, um, you know, it's, um, it's an important time to get your life under control. Take a moment to use this platform to speak to anyone who's not an ADA member about why they should become one. Why should they spend their hard-earned dollars every year to support an organization that they feel disconnected with, that they feel doesn't support them, and is rowing the boat in the wrong direction? Well, I'll talk about the COVID situation for a bit and how I feel 
the ADA was a game changer in New York. Um, uh, I, I look at the ADA a lot as a political lobby. We're a lobby of 160 to 200,000, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off on the numbers, but um, we're, we're basically a uh, extremely large lobby of dentists. I don't know the exact number. In the Bronx, um, we realized that we're losing membership. A lot of the old timers were retiring, dying off, and we were kind of splintering into um, sort of a balkanization of dental societies. There was the Dominican Dental Society, there's the Indian Dental Society, um, there's uh, Orthodox Jewish dental groups, and a lot of groups were, were, were splintering off. When, when COVID happened and the governor of New York shut down dentistry on March 10th, 2020, I was told I could not open the doors of my practice anymore. I'd be violating the law if I did. Well, what got us open on June 1st was, was our political lobby. It was, uh, it was the strength of, um, of, of our numbers that were able to meet with the governor's council. We had um, a trustee of the Bronx Dental Society, Amarillo Jacobo, sat on the governor's um, board for reopening, sat on the governor's COVID board, and had the political connections to let the New York State know that dentists are experts at infection control. We're not hairdressers. We're not. Um, I, we're, 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 this is what we do, and we've done better than anybody. I mean, I graduated dental school in the AIDS epidemic and worked in, um, in Greenwich Village um, in the 80s. And so, I mean, if anybody knows how to provide a safe environment for their patients, it's dentists. But the 50-member um, ethnic group in the Bronx didn't have the ability to get that point across. It was, it was the political lobby of, of numbers that we had. So. I would say for those that aren't members, they're benefiting from they're benefiting from um, the power of the ADA. If they have their own um, requests, things that they want to see, whether it be uh, the ability to uh, to move from state to state more easily, the ability to uh, fight insurance companies, make your voice known, become part of it, fight for it, but they'll have a much stronger voice arguing within a, a large number that has political power. Um, standing alone, you've got very little, but I'd have to say you're benefiting from what the paying members are doing. Um, we try to make it easy for young dentists to join. Um, it's, I believe it's uh, free for um, a year, free for two years, then 50%. Uh, we try to slow walk it because we know everybody's got debts. We know everybody, we know it's expensive and it's hard to buy into. But um, I think that um, um, it, it's worthwhile because um, I, I see my friends that, when, that are doctors really struggling with, um, with um, uh, fighting Washington, fighting insurance companies. It's made, um, it's made their, their practice life miserable. I consider dentistry a great profession. I, I love the independence that I have. I love the, uh, my, my ability to, to practice without the thumb of government on me. 
and I really consider the efforts of the ADA has made my life much better. Um, it's given me the ability to practice and enjoy practicing for 38 years. And I, I think that um, it's, um, it's having a strong lobby, a strong political lobby that can help keep it that way. Well, sorry if I blabbered on. A bit no, there. no, no. And to your point, uh, during COVID, uh, we had Joe Crowley, we had um, Jeffrey Cole, we had Chad Gihani, we had Craig Armstrong, all on this podcast, giving us updates as to what was going on in Texas, what was going on nationally, um, what we could expect. Um, Chad would come on and actually talk about, you know, hey, look, we went down, we saw the president. This is what he had to say. This is our feeling of where policy is going to go. Because it was like the Great Wasteland. No one knew what was happening. Nothing like this had ever happened before. And the ADA certainly provided a whole lot of assistance in making sure that dentists did get back to work sooner rather than later. And you know, I, I remember initially my wife, who is a veterinarian, was considered uh, to be, you know, indispensable and she could work full time doing whatever she wanted. And uh, I had to not work at all. So I, yeah. I know personally, the ADA definitely helped me there because uh, I don't know, I might, I might have, uh, I might have become addicted from depression if I hadn't been able to work. Well, uh, <clears throat> we all drank, we all drank too much wine. Oh, no, no kidding. No kidding. Months. But, you know, <laughs> just getting, uh, I wanted to chat uh, Kahani's horn a little bit because not only did he pull the strings in Washington, but I, I remember seeing him on uh, Good Morning America. He made the round of the uh, of the news programs, and as an advocate for dentistry, I mean, on an individual level, people in America were saying, "I know they're saying it's safe to go back to the dental office, but I'm not sure." You know, and it, it was part of it was confidence building among the public, letting the public know that um, this is what dentists are doing. This is what dentists have been doing for years that you don't even realize they're doing to provide a safe environment for their patients. You know, these are the, this is how they're controlling their water supply, their air supply, and how they sterilize. And, uh, you know, and, and I thought Chad was magnificent in, um, in making the rounds of public programs. And we all benefited from that, 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 that people in the public realized that, okay, your, your dentistry is, your dentist has is, is, is got this. It's safe to go back to the office. We, we all benefited from from his public relations tour. You know, I, I have to say, um, and, and again, I'm a little bit biased because I am in Texas, um, but I, I have to say uh, we've got some really great people. I mean, uh, the gentleman I've already mentioned, um, heck, I, I call Jeff Cole up every now and then just to, to shoot the shit. He's just such a, a fun guy to talk to. But I mean, we've got people like Duco, we've got Craig Armstrong coming up. Um, <clears throat> Rita, just amazing, just powerhouse intellects who truly care about dentistry and the future of dentistry, not just in Texas, but nationally. So I, I, I have a hard time selling being a member of the ADA to younger people because they just don't know what we've done. They don't see what happens behind the scenes. But guys, it's important. Uh, and you should all join. And if you feel as if the boat is being boat is being rowed in the wrong direction, pick up a damn oar. Yeah, I mean, it's make it make you. You can make things. 
if you want to steer your profession in the way that will make your life better, that you need to man the oar. Um, and you can't do it on your own. You, you need to do it as a larger group. Um, I agree with you, Chris. Yeah, it's like, well, I guess that pretty much does it. So yeah. guys, real quick, uh, we're going to have a real quick word from our sponsor, uh, which for this, did you have something else, Don? No, I want before before you leave, can I talk about our sponsor a bit for a second? Yeah, absolutely, please. It's not just just personally. I just want to tell you um, just my my story, which is thirty eight years in practice. I've had the same front desk person and the same chair side assistant for thirty eight years, and then it was about six months ago. I had the nightmare of my hygienist coming in and saying, "I'm leaving," and um, three days a week, crowded schedule. Um, why was she leaving? Because in this day and age, uh, people are poaching help in dental offices. My office manager, somebody offered her 25 grand more just because help is so hard to find. My hygienist, somebody offered her $15 more an hour, poached her from my office. So after going through that incredible shock and depression of, oh, God, this is going to screw things up, I uh, just went to... Um, cloud dentistry i paid ten dollars to be a member i put an ad in there of what i was looking for and in 24 hours i was speaking to three candidates directly not through an employment agency where they would send people to my office i was talking directly looking at recommendations but i was in personal touch negotiating with hygienists personally i hired somebody I didn't have to pay a fee to an employment agency. I'm still paying my fee, my monthly fee to cloud because I want to be with them when I have another crisis. But it was an amazing service that, um, that put me um, in touch with people. And another thing I would say to young dentists out there is that you should be on there because if you're looking to pick up a day somewhere, two days somewhere, there are so many offices that are looking to hire GPs, specialists, uh, that, that, uh, so not just for office help, front desk assistants and hygienists, but every young dentist should be on this, should have their name on this because uh, it'll, it'll, you'll, you'll just, people will reach out to you um, with opportunities. Um, and it's just, um, uh, it's an amazing database an amazing service, um, easy to use, easy to navigate. Um, it, it, it saved my neck personally. Yeah. And, and guys, they're also rolling out some new features that you should be aware of. If um, an office complains about a hygienist, says they no-showed, that hygienist will now be removed from the system almost immediately. And that hygienist will have to actually appeal to be added back into the system. It's just one of the many ways that cloud is doing what they said, which is listening to their customers. I urge you to become a member because to become a member is free. If you want to actually use the service to hire someone, you do have to have a membership, just like Don said. But to check it out and see if it's something that you want to pay for, cost you nothing. And frankly, not having your hygienist, not having your front desk, not having your assistant, not having a doctor replace you while you're on vacation, that costs you a whole hell of a lot more. 
Don, thank you for coming on to the show today, sharing with us a little bit about your life in dentistry, the things that you've done, the things that you've seen. Um, if you had a moment to speak to 25,000 dentists in varying areas of their profession, varying ages in dentistry, and you could give them three points of wisdom, three pearls, what would they be? Well, I can't tell you how grateful I am for the ability to practice dentistry. I, 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 I find this to be the most uh, um, valuable profession in my life. Uh, I'll give three, three things that I think are important. Treat your staff well. Your, your staff, um, your, your, your patients speak to your staff more than they speak to you. When you leave the room, um, it's your staff that's, that, that's making the patient comfortable. Uh, the front desk, there's nothing better than having a, a good staff and, and treat them well. And, and, and because it'll, it, it makes your life, first off, you, you, I, I spend more, a lot more time with my staff than I do my wife. Um, so it's like, treat, treat your staff um, like you want, like family. Um, treat your patients well. Um, get to know your patients, talk to them. Um, I love dentistry because I, I love the relationships that um, I have with my patients. In 38 years, I've got four generation families. Uh, my patients are family. Uh, I, I'm, an, I'm a fee-for-service dentist and 75% um, of my patients have insurance and, uh, and, and pay the fee because they like our family that we have in our office. We treat our patients well, we're responsive to them. And um, they, um, they enjoy the family environment. And give back, third advice is give back to, to the community. Um, do some charity work. Um, take part in, um, in, in, in programs providing uh, dentistry to the poor and disabled. Uh, I'm a big advocate of donated dental services, dental lifeline network. Uh, take a trip to another country and you'll really appreciate what we have here in America. Um, so uh, treat your staff well, treat your patients well, and give back to the community. You'll enjoy I love it. it. Well, Don, thank you so much for joining us here today and giving us the benefit of your years of experience and service. Folks, you have wasted another hour listening to the drunken sound of my voice here on the Dear Doc podcast. This is Dr. Christopher Huffpower thanking you for being here to listen to us. Signing off until next time. See you, folks. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.